Wendy Nola. Wendy is travelling today, so she's joining us via Zoom. And uh, we've got quite a lot of foodie-related topics to talk about, from wonky vegetables to vegetarian burgers and a few other bits and pieces. Uh, Before we get to any of that, though, there is some quite important news on a product recall that we're going to start with. And Wendy, as always, great to have you on the show. I prefer likewise. Thanks. Now, we heard this morning that Tiger Brands have issued a recall for a particular brand of baby powder called the Purity Essentials Baby Powder, uh, saying it's a precautionary measure. What do we know? Okay, I, I landed in Joburg, looked at my photo. That was the first thing I saw that yep. landed in my inbox while I was traveling. Um, so it's about trace levels of asbestos which has become a very dirty word in uh, relation to talcum powder, thanks yeah. to the ongoing global lawsuits around Johnson & Johnson's um, talc. Um, interesting enough, Johnson & Johnson announced just last month that it will end global sales of baby powder containing mineral tank talc rather next year, switching to a formulation based on cornstarch. Um, they're facing 40,000 lawsuits in the Ooh. U.S. alleging that the baby powder contaminated with asbestos caused ovarian cancer or mesothelomia. I don't know if I spelled that, uh, pronounced that right. But anyway, they're attributing their decision to switch um, uh, to a commercial decision rather than having anything to do with that controversy. But I think it's safe to say that um, consumers, whether Johnson & Johnson argues there never was um, a a scientifically proven um, link, but... um, I think it's safe to consumers say that in the consumer's mind yeah. anyway. Yeah, perception is everything and, and, and asbestos and, and, and powder, especially baby powder, um, you know, don't don't marry up well in consumer's mind. So they're saying Tiger Brands now about its Purity Essentials baby powder um, range that um, uh, trace levels of asbestos were detected in test samples from a batch of pharmaceutical-grade talc powder uh, used as raw material in the production of, of their powder products. So the affected um, uh, pack sizes are the 100 grams, 200 grams, and 400 grams. And uh, yeah, just, you know, a lot of uh, information around what to do. Um, You can go straight to their website, purity.co.za, very simple to find more on that. But of course, as with every recall, they're encouraging customers who do have this product at home to return it to the nearest supermarket, wholesaler or pharmacy outlet um, that stocks it. It doesn't have to be the one that you bought it from and you will get a cash refund or coupon. And that's from tomorrow, the 8th of September. Okay, so so quite important things to emphasize here. Firstly, it is the Purity Essentials baby powder, not the baby cornstarch powder in that range. Purity Essentials baby powder is the name of the affected product. It is not the baby cornstarch powder. Um, that, and then it's all the different sizes of the Purity Essentials baby powder. You can take it back to any store that stocks the product. You don't have to go back to the individual store where you bought your tub. Uh, you can go to any good retailer that has it on the shelves and they will refund you, either get refund you or give you a coupon from tomorrow onwards. Again, if you've got it, if you've got a version of their product on, on your baby shelf and you want to just double check, you can either visit the website purity.co.za or they've set up a consumer care line on 0860 004 755 0860 004 755 and they'll be able to talk you through um, whether the product you have in hand is part of that recall or not. Okay, thank you very much for the update. Wendy, from that we move on to to food-related 
conversations and several different topics to cover around that issue. And then I hope we'll have time for some open line calls towards the end of the show. Just to say that if you as a listener would like to contribute to the conversation, share your opinion, ask a question, tell us what you've observed or experienced in other parts of the world, you can call us on 021-446-0567 or you can send a WhatsApp to 072-567-1567. Now we have to thank our listener, John, uh, who still tunes into Cape Talk, even though he now lives in Wales. He's the one who got the ball rolling on today's topic when he mailed me a week or so ago to say the following. In an attempt to help people combat food inflation, the British Farmers Union has appealed to UK supermarkets to begin promoting what they call wonky fruit and veg. To give you an example, a 500 rand punnet of red grapes normally costs around £2.50 compared to wonky red grapes, which are £1.36. Wonky strawberries are about two-thirds cheaper uh, than the usual version. And John says, while there's not a lot of wonky fruit on offer, there's quite a bit in the wonky veg range, from potatoes and carrots to onions, sweet potatoes, courgettes and even avocados. Most wonky veg retails at about one to two-thirds of the normal price. And depending on the supermarket, these items are described as either misshapen or perfectly mm-hmm. imperfect, which I've always loved that term. Uh, Wendy, I mean, it's such a great idea. We know there is such a terrible issue with food waste in South Africa, and a huge amount of the wastage happens before the product even reaches the supermarket shelves because it is deemed imperfect in shape and styling and whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. And what a waste. So thank you, John, for uh, picking our interest in this issue of wonky produce. Um <laughs> To my mind, perfection is both overrated and overpriced. Yeah, yeah. So I emailed the supermarket groups asking them what becomes of the misshapen but otherwise perfect project produce which does not meet their buyer's quality standards. Has the group ever considered making them available to customers at reduced prices, as happens in parts of Europe? Uh, and that is clearly a win-win, a massive reduction in food wastage and consumers who aren't put off by gnarly carrots or marrows um, would have access to discounted fresh produce at a time when it's really, really needed. It turns out this is quite a complex issue. It really um, is. And, complex and, than I'd yeah. thought. <laughs> Wendy, thanks. You've done a lot of, uh, of homework for us this week and it's really interesting reading to hear what the different supermarket groups have said in response to your question. Let's start with the feedback from Woolworths. What did they tell you? Okay, so they started off by saying sustainability is core to their business. It impacts absolutely everything that they do. Food waste waste is a high priority issue for us. And as part of our good business journey, we're committed to finding ways to reduce food waste and promote food security. This includes our surplus food program in stores and across our supply chain from farms and factories working in partnership with our suppliers. Um, they say we adopt the food waste utilization hierarchy, which prioritizes food utilization and food waste avoidance or reduction in the first place. And secondly, the redistribution of surplus food for human consumption. Their goal is to ensure that no edible food lands up in a landfill. Um, ourselves and our food suppliers have all signed onto the South African Food Waste Voluntary Agreement to have to halve food waste to landfill by 2030. Okay, so the strategy um, so is... A bit of a preamble. Yeah, yes. but it's an interesting background, thanks. And the strategy is avoid the waste in the first place, but then if there is excess food, make sure that it's redistributed while it's still fit for consumption. The interesting bit really comes in, Wendy, where they started talking about the national regulations around produce and how that impacts what they're actually exactly. able to do. Exactly. So the issue um, of... 
yeah, exactly what sort of product is is it deemed acceptable in the various um, classes of, yeah. of produce based, based essentially on what it looks like a main it would seem that's governed by what we used to call the department DAF, Department yeah. of Agriculture and Forestry. It's now now we have to refer to it it as Gosh, I don't even know what the acronym is, but it's the P- Department of Agriculture, Land Reform, and Rural Development. And Willie's told me that that department lays out relevant regulations under the Agriculture Product Standards Act, which sets strict requirements for the grading and classification of fruit and veggies. So, for example, carrots are subject to uh, various quality standards depending on their grading. So, they're either class one, two, three, or the lowest class, which um, – it's, it's uh, at the lowest cost, but no forks or secondary roots, <laughs> little <laughs> legs, are allowed at any level, even in the lowest class. But some defects in shape can be tolerated in the lower grades. But of course, <laughs> Woolies doesn't do any of that. Do they do the class <laughs> one? Stuff. Yeah. Yes. It's, I mean, Only I'm smiling, the class one I'm smiling Wendy, as somebody who <laughs> has pulled many a forked carrot out of the ground in my few attempts to Me grow my too. own veggies. And they tasted absolutely <laughs> fine. They just looked a little bit odd. They did, especially when you're used to the supermarket stuff. Yeah. It kind of gives you new appreciation of what goes into producing the perfect stuff. But yeah, yeah should should we be expecting that? Um, any, into, you know, in today's environment, financial climate, everything else. Yeah. Anyway, so so that's that's how that works. Um, so <laughs> this is what Wallis has to say, um, and I felt a little bit of a, 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 a sort of a please take note, tone of this. Farmers do not set out to produce misshapen fruits and vegetables. And unless there are exceptional circumstances, most farms do not produce lower class fruits and vegetables in significant volumes. That's left to us amateurs at home, apparently. Mm -hmm. I do it in Um, plenty of volume. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and and all sorts of misshapen. Further, the cost of producing, this is interesting, I think this is where I learned something, the cost of producing misshapen fruits and veggies, packaging and transporting it, and of course, um, yeah, packaging being, being a very important element, yeah. is not cheaper uh, compared to class one. So it doesn't matter how perfect or imperfect it is, all those factors remain the same in terms of costs. Yeah. Um, much, much lower class fruits and veggies are processed into, for example, prepared products, juice, jam, etc., or farmers donate them to charities or use it for animal feed. So... I would be interested in, in, you know, the example of what John has been sharing, and we've got one close to home that we're going to get to um, just now in terms of, you know, all the other input costs remain the same. So how significant could the the discount for we consumers be by the time it lands up on their shelves? Yeah, that is an interesting point Uh, because if anything, Wendy, I would imagine that a a misshapen carrot might be more expensive to package than the standard version that fits neatly into the standard bag. Yeah, you mm. could argue that, and and certainly, well, you could also argue that you know some of the packaging, and and um, this is a huge concern for many consumers, um, is that you know that, that a lot of the fresh produce is overpackaged. So yeah, you know, with the misshapen stuff, it's already um, you know got a bit dinged and you know not perfect. So you would need to put them on a polystyrene tray or some other kind of more environmentally tray. It's still got to be produced with your cling wrap over or whatever it is, um, that it could just be slung into, into a, a, you know, a, a cheap plastic bag without any mm. of the rest of the, of the um, protective stuff. Um, so that could be cut down on. But yeah, clearly, as I say, 
a lot more um, uh, nuanced issue than that we had probably um, uh, um, assumed. Yeah. But interestingly, ShopRite said um, quite triumphantly, we agree that these misshaped but otherwise good quality fruit and vegetables should not go to waste. And we've made various lines available at affordable price points in select ShopRite and YouSave stores servicing lower-income communities. And then they sent me a picture of some of them, which were advertised for Market Day, 7th of September 2022, which happens to be today. Yes. And um, I shared that pic with you, Pippa. It's a a plain little bag, what I was just saying, just with a little catch, a little fastener rather, with very basic labels, just saying oranges, soft citrus, potatoes, onions, and uh, you know, I hadn't seen them. Yeah. Um, they're, they're obviously not in the in the in the, in the shop right checker stores that I frequent. But and, and it would be lovely if they were. But maybe yeah. there's some pushback, sort of thinking that um, the middle to, to upper income consumers, you know, wouldn't want such produce. But I don't know. I, I certainly would love to see them. You know, I would too. I'd love to have the choice. And I would imagine that in the current economic climate, there are many people who would love to have the choice of taking a, a slightly slightly squiff and um, asymmetrical apple uh, that costs a little bit less than, than, than the perfectly glossy one. Um, so it's interesting, the, interesting that they do it, but only in certain target, uh, target income areas. Um, but absolutely, as you say, Wendy Goldstar to them for that they're doing it at all, because it looks from, from what we've uh, researched that they are certainly in the minority in doing that. I think we can fit in Food Lovers Market before we have to go to news, Wendy. They were very much online with Woolies' approach of saying it's quite rare for this to happen, that wonky fresh produce very seldom even makes it to market um, and is often diverted by the farmers straight into either animal feed or into the processing and manufacturing industry. So they, they yeah. will send the squiff carrot to be used to make the carrot juice, for example. Yeah, exactly. And imperfect citrus will be... Um, also made into juice, misshapen veggies can be processed into animal feed. So you can see a theme running yeah. through here. So it's not an, a waste issue, but it's just that consumers aren't benefiting from it in its whole form, except for at ShopRite. But I would imagine the answer to the question of why they only get it to the low-income stores is that there's limited supply, so let them benefit, benefit fair um, enough. Okay. Yeah. from it first. Yeah, I suppose that would be the argument, and it makes sense. So, so Food Lover says, as a retailer, we have not adopted a specific uh, strategy of making misshapen fresh produce available to our customers, given that the supply is very intermittent. Um, But we are not opposed to considering this approach if a more regular and reliable supply of such fresh produce is available in South Africa. And I think um, supply happens after demand. So Mm. if more consumers started saying to supermarket groups, you know, couldn't you make – the less perfect stuff available in very basic packaging to us. We'd love it. We'd love, you know, rather than having to buy it in, in other forms, yeah. you know, value added, so 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 called, which is price added. You know, we'd love to make our own soups. We make our own potato and carrot mash or whatever for yeah. our kids. Um, and it would be lovely to. I, I like the the fact that they left the door open there to say yeah. well, we may do it. So my, my take out is is you know. Um, Make a noise if this is what you'd like to see. Tell your supermarket so that they realize that there is a demand for it. Um, interestingly, though, just wrap up yep. quickly, Pick and Pay said um, that we're quite different to the UK and the US. Um, food waste is a major problem here too. 
Um, they did trial a wonky box, but it proved too expensive to package. And we found that there was a perception among the higher tiers that the produce was of inferior quality. The Unfortunately, the per- we, they were going to um, let us have one of their people to chat about this in more detail as to how they – you know, found out that there that there was this perception of inferior quality, but um, they weren't able to at the last moment. So, so yeah, um, it would be interesting to hear from listeners if if they have this perception of the the wonky stuff being not as good quality. Absolutely. We're going to go to news, but I'd love to hear a call or a WhatsApp from anybody who was aware of that wonky box that was trialed at Pick and Pay. Did you see them? Did you buy them? Were you happy with the quality or did you look away thinking, no, 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 that's not good quality? Did you have that perception that they're saying the customers fed back to them they had, that the perception of the produce was of of inferior quality um, as opposed to just being of a slightly odd shape? Love to hear your thoughts on this. Is it a sort of a strategy that you would support if that was available to you in your store? 021-44604. Five six seven or pop a voice note to oh seven two five six seven one five six seven. Cape Talk Consumer Talk. Call now on oh two one double four six oh five six seven. Some very interesting feedback on the wonky veg, Wendy. Uh, firstly, Brian suggesting on the WhatsApp, surely if these misshapen veggies become popular, the price will shoot up to the same level as the other kind. Uh, and then Anonymous on the email saying, I am absolutely packaging for skrik. I simply do not want to buy vegetables in plastic, especially carrots, nor do I want to have to travel all the way to the market at the waterfront to buy veggies without packaging. So I was thrilled to find out that there is a small market at Stark Airs over the week. I'm happy to pay a bit more for a bunch of fresh carrots, some of them wonkies that still have their greenery on. It does cost a bit more, but it's worth it not to have the plastic. And for me, it's within walking distance. So that's very interesting. So there it's it's a little bit more, not a little bit less as the wonky veg in the UK is. But for this customer, it's about the packaging and environmental issues rather than the actual um cost of the veggies themselves. Uh, Another person writing in on the WhatsApp line, Wendy, says, I probably wouldn't support such an initiative. A few years ago, I used to buy organic fruit and veg, which were wonky, but I found I struggled to be accepting of them. We've got to help our listeners learn to love the skew carrots on of things, Wendy. (laughs) On a more serious note, a comment here from somebody who says, I have a cousin who farms citrus and they dump navel oranges if they don't adhere to acidity requirements. It's more expensive to donate them than it is to dump. These are products that were meant for export and it is a crying shame. I've also heard those stories, Pippa, and I've also supported um, that market at Stark Airs because my daughter lives nearby. Okay. And yes, it's not a lot more expensive, but it it just looks like, you know, it looks like farmer's market stuff and um, it's it's lovely to support um, that sort of initiative. I didn't even know it was there and I live just down the road. So thank you very much for, for tipping us off about that one. Okay, while we're with food, a very quickly dispensed with question that came in a few weeks ago, Wendy, on the subject of bread. Uh, listeners may recall we read out a message from Francois who was bemoaning the discontinuation of Al- Albany Bakery's Ultima Multigrain and Pumpkin Seed Loaf. You reached yes. out to them just to ask what had happened, I believe. Yes. Um, Francois said he couldn't believe there hasn't been a public outcry. <laughs> he's clearly was fiercely a, a, a fierce fan of, of that uh, particular loaf. According to Lorraine de Graaf, who is the marketing director for Tiger Brands Baked Goods, that ultimate ultima multigrain loaf was discontinued in the middle of last month. So it's very recent and in the Cape region only. Oh, oh how unfortunate oh. for you, Francois. Um Apparently, yeah, sales couldn't have been good, interestingly enough. Um, 
Lorraine said, we continuously review our product range to ensure that we remain focused on the products that consumers really love, while also introducing new products to meet evolving consumer needs. The other products she suggested that Francois may be interested in, and I'm sure he's familiar with them, the Albany Low GI Seeded Brown Bread, the Albany Low GI Whole Wheat Bread, and the Ultima Kilogel Control Loaf as well. He's okay. probably listening and thinking, no, I don't like those at all. There's it's not no the same. Seeds. It's not the same, not but Francois, sorry to be the bearer of bad news. Okay, thank you for taking the yeah. time to look into it though, Wendy. Right, the next one is also an issue of uh, food uh, issues, uh, food, and it comes from a listener who raised a red flag around a vegetarian burger. Um, Wendy, you've been doing quite a lot of research since that message came through. Tell <laughs> us the context. Very dedicated to her, very dedicated. <laughs> Tough I, job, I know. I got a, a, an email from uh, Barandra Singh about Burger King's plant-based Whopper. That's what they call it. Mm-hmm. He says, I've been sitting in the Burger King as a vegetarian and uh, my wife is vegan. On several occasions, I purchased the plant-based Whopper, which was delicious, I must, I must say. But at no stage did the staff inform us that this was grilled in the beef griller. I was shocked when I read it on their website. There are no signs in store that sensitize one to the fact that it's being grilled um, on the grief beef griller. Well, it's actually in the beef griller, and that's part of the problem, Pippa, because after yeah. our show last week, I drove straight to the Burger King on the foreshore for research purposes, of course, but it was getting on um, quite late because I did a bit, bit of work in the studio before I left, so it yeah. was very busy. And I did stand at that central desk and look up at those electronic hoardings um, to uh, see that there is a little notice that says, please note these um, vegan burgers are not, uh, patties are not, uh, are, are grilled um, along with, so, I forget the exact word. I've got the exact with, word with the, and I think it's important to read it because they're not being marketed right. as vegan burgers, Wendy. It says, please note our plant-based Whopper patty is cooked on the same grill as our beef Whopper patty. This means the plant-based Whopper is not vegan or vegetarian. It's there in black and white on the screen. But as you say, unless you are reading the fine print and paying attention, and if you're in the queue at a takeaway starving for your burger you're not necessarily going to read that fine print, Wendy. But to, yes. to be fair, so it, it is there in black and white. It is there in black and white. Um, when I took this up with Burger King, in fact, I tweeted about it and they responded proactively. Yep. Um, and um, the um, CEO of Burger King, um, Johan Klopper, he met me. Their offices uh, was the first Burger King in South Africa, that one yep. for sure, and their offices are upstairs. So he, he met me there last Wednesday. Um, with um, some colleagues and uh, went into the kitchen and saw the issue. The issue is that the Burger King um, broiler, American term, but griller basically, is a yeah. sort of a, a, a unit. It's not open grills and like just use it. Can't you just use one section of it, cordon it off and do the vegan patties there? Because the patties are certified vegan, right? They're definitely vegan on their own. It's just because of the way they're cooked that there could be cross-contamination with um, meat, uh, particles of meat, uh, beef from the normal patties. Right. So, so it's, not, it's not an open grill that you could just add, you know, s- segregate a little bit for the vegan ones. It goes through a, a sort of a machine. You feed it on the one side and they come out cooked on the other. And in the middle of that process is some flame grilling that happens, right? So okay. to, to have for it to be um, still be regarded as a vegan patty when it comes out the other side of that process um, it would have to be in its own broiler which is several hundred thousands of rand in itself and then another few hundred to get it installed and all of that as well and even on meat free mondays the demand 
isn't quite there. Um, a lot of people doing embracing the meat-free Monday things are flexitarian. So we're trying to cut down on their um, meat consumption uh, and um, being grateful for products, uh, fast food products at that, which enable them to do it. Okay. Um, so they're not bothered that the, about the fact that, you know, it's passing through um, the same uh, griller, broiler apparatus as, as the meat patties. Juice on it. But, yeah. Yeah, they are um, very, um, Burger King is very um, sensitive to the issue, though, and um, engaged very fully and, you know, said, you know, their assumption is that people who eat vegan are, who are vegan are used to looking out for the little V symbols and the, whatever they are, the plant, the leaf or whatever. Yeah. And so they, um, uh, what are they? Their nuggets as well as their royals um, are vegan because they are cooked in separate deep fryers. They are deep fried products, um, and in that and case, so they have got a, a designated. They have one. them, okay. And but so so that 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 logo, that imagery is not um, present on the uh, plant based Whopper product. Um, they said we've got a dedicated page on our website and app explaining the terms, you know, difference between plant based, vegetarian, and vegan, um, and um, I said, they said, well, what do you think we should do differently? And I said, well, based on 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 um, this complaint that we got, um, uh, his wording was, let me just go back to it. He said, um, nobody at no stage did the staff inform us. Um, this was very interesting. Yeah. And so I said that to the CEO. I said, could your could your staff not be trained when somebody orders the plant based? Um, Whopper that they say, please be aware. Um, the, yeah. the, the the patty is vegan, but the finished product is not. And they said it's easier said than done. There's a lot of stuff that they have to deal with, and there's promos and at, at any given time and whatever. But for me, people absorb information, you know, verbally the best. Yeah. Um, it it might be there a little small because there isn't really space to make it bigger on the hoarding. But you know, just to be absolutely sure. Um, so there's that limitation, and you know I would imagine that as as demand for these products grows, so there would be um, and you know a financial um, it would be financially viable yeah. to have a dedicated one, even if it's a lot smaller to have to develop it, especially. Um, but yeah, um, he said interestingly, according to the first plant-based friendly fast food franchise ranking report, which assesses plant-based offering at top. Offerings at top franchises in South Africa. Um, the latest one, um, which su- survey ran until the end of February this year, yep. the top three were Kauai, Spur, and Panarotis, um, scoring 10.5, 8.5, and 8, respectively. And that was followed by in third place by Burger King, a uh, th- uh, tie third, um, fourth rather, Burger King and Simply Asia, which both scored seven. So, so they're ahead of the other burger so chains, is- at least, um, in, in terms of that assessment. Mm. Interestingly yeah. enough, yes, it would. It was, and I learned lots of stuff being there. I mean, I'm not really one for for fast food products, um, so I hadn't realised how clean label they've gone. It's also a global imperative, so you know, no preservatives, no um, none of these e numbers and things that consumers yeah. are now, you know, have a, around. So um, yeah, it's all sort of very sh- short ingredient lists and, and, and the rest. So, yeah, it was a very interesting mm. hour that I spent at Burger King okay. last week. Um, and it's an interesting trend um, to track because obviously they're anticipating 
growth here um, for vegetarian and vegan offerings. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah. So the million dollar question is, did you taste one of the not quite vegetarian I burgers? I <laughs> did. I did. I bought they have a junior, which is a little one. Yeah. And um, um, I will admit that I ate it in the car on the way home. And <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was um, very acceptable indeed. I mean, I, I, as I said, I don't eat these products often and I don't find that the, the beef patties in those uh, QSR um, quick service restaurants have much really, I'm going to get, get smacked for this, but they're not very flavorful. So for yep. the, I think the substitute, you know, it doesn't stand out as being any different. And I, if I'm going to eat a burger, I must have a pickle on it. And Absolutely. those have a pickle on it. And it was, and I'd managed not to mess my clothes, which was uh, the biggest feat of all. <laughs> um, so yes, um, all in the name of research, Pippa. Oh, you do go the extra <laughs> mile for us and the extra calorie weight. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, I totally agree with Alan, who's just messaged us from Neisner. Alan's saying, I'm busy visiting Turkey as we speak and loving the market culture of being able to browse and buy your food and the supplies fresh. I wish we had a similar approach in South Africa. I do too. Alan, it's one of the things I've enjoyed um, when visiting rural France as well is that local farmer's market uh, you know, at the end of the day, on your way home from work, you can stroll by and buy your ingredients for dinner that night. It's such a wonderful way to be able to shop and cook. Uh, I wish we had uh, more opportunities to do that here in South Africa. I agree with you. Okay, um, we've got a voice note responding to the bread issue, and then we're going to move on to a very much more serious question around medical aid. But I think while we're still talking food, if we can take a listen to the voice note about the missing bread... We're going to get to that. Just a reminder that if you want to send an open line call or question through now is the time to do so on 0214460567 or by sending a voice note to 0725671567. You're also very welcome to send an SMS to 31567. Hi, guys. Um, just want to put my five cents in the basket with the Albany uh, ultimate uh, bread situation. Um, I don't buy the bread, my wife buys the bread and uh, she's completely devastated with the fact that that <laughs> particular loaf of bread is no longer on the shelves. Okay. I think Francois is onto something, it's like, the, like something that's been taken away from you without being told. Thank you, Dino. Thanks, Dino. Okay, so there's a second vote uh, saying bring back the bread. <laughs> Wendy, uh, let's see if we get any more. And if they're, they're, they're in substantial <laughs> numbers, we'll have to feed it back to Albany, please. Dino, appreciate your voice we'll note. Do. Okay, a much more serious topic, and I know it is one that is affecting many listeners. Uh, it's one we haven't researched in depth for today's show. I'm just going to say that up front. But, Wendy, this is very, very interesting to me. I have a Health Squared question for Wendy, which I think most people probably know by now is the medical aid, which has folded. Um, the, the, Lee's writes as followed. As uh, Health Squared, as you know, informed us eight days before closure that we would not be covered as of the 1st of September. They took a debit order off our account on the 3rd of September. What are Wendy's comments? Do we still have cover? If not, how can we get that money back? Okay, this is a, a very nuanced, complicated and sad story and one that I have been covering for okay. Times Live quite extensively in the last two weeks. Um, so the, when that was queried by some members, there were almost 24,000 with beneficiaries, um, they were told, once I've spoken to, that yeah. they were paying in, let me just get this right, they were paying in arrears, not in advance. So that was a debit order for For August. the cover they had in August. And 
And I don't know about you. I mean, I, I belong to a medical scheme. I wouldn't know if I was paying in arrears or in advance. And um, I know from the statement that Health Square issued on the 18th of August, that bombshell notice yeah. that they were applying for liquidation and that cover would end on the 31st of August. They did mention that they had uh, patients who paid both in arrears and in advance. Um, so, so that's as much as I can say there. For those people, there was a court order that was made final at the, in the High Court of Johannesburg at the weekend. Yeah. Um, and just to summarize, because we haven't got much time, um, it was brought by, um, well, um, Health Squared applied for voluntary liquidation. They The hearing was started on the 30th of August, and I think they thought it would all be done and dusted by the 31st when, you know, they were hoping – Everything would, you know, be done and the contributions end. But actually, it was stood down. It heard again on Friday, on Thursday. The many people on the first many people's debit orders went off, so it was yeah. a mess. But anyway, the outcome of that order is that um, for the fifty-four Health Square patients who are um, undergoing dialysis, and and you know, for those who had end-stage renal failure, they, they you know, for a week of no dialysis, wow. they, they 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 wouldn't survive, um, and for those. Uh, um, in you know having about to have or just having had um, kidney transplants, their um, medical costs would be covered as usual until the end of this month, and then um, this was something that the nephrology society um, joined the the um, application with yeah. and were successful. They asked for two months. The judge gave, gave them a month, and then it was um, extended to all health care um, members who were had grave or chronic diseases, life-threatening, you know, okay. very serious ones that just to give them um, a, a month in which to find alternative cover because, That's you know, to proving, have to do it. Yeah. Because it's proving difficult very for difficult. a lot of people, Wendy. It, it is. And the problem is that the Council for Medical Scheme said to them, to don't worry for after that 18th of this, uh, August announcement, please don't make your own plan. You're going to be prejudiced with, prejudiced with waiting periods and, um, other exclusions and all the rest. Um, we're going to broker a deal with um, med- healthy medical schemes, the bigger ones, to take on your twenty-four thousand members um, without any, you know, of that of that prejudicial stuff. And then, very late on the thirty-first of August, my press release, press release arrived at half past ten in the evening. Yeah. They basically said we failed. Not enough of them would come to the party. Couldn't absorb all twenty-four thousand members, and basically you're on your own. Sure. So now, even though the medical schemes act says you, you can't impose waiting periods um, in the case of um, uh, prescribed minim- minimum benefits, which yep. is a lot of you know everything from hypertension to multiple sclerosis to renal uh, disease, etc. Um, but many of the medical schemes that these people um, who are now in this shock situation are, are approaching are saying um, are wanting to impose late joiner penalties and um, if there was any ever, ever any gaps in their cover yeah. um, after the age of 35. And um, so it's a mess, Pippa. Um, I, I will definitive things to say other than Mark Hyman, who you remember we've had on the show yes. a few times. He um, is actually talking about um, uh, doing a class action. Wow. Um to over this issue and if we've got a minute how are we doing we do time? we have a minute, we literally I'll have give. a minute so so go for it <laughs> okay i need to just find um his um the e- email address um oh sorry um let me just 
Oh, gosh. Sorry. Okay, well, pressure, while you but... look for that, let me just recap the very latest reporting on this uh, from, from Business Live. Uh, was that the High Court in Johannesburg has granted Health Squared Medical Scheme leave to apply for voluntary liquidation on the September the 27th, but has yes, yet to decide on the industry regulator's urgent application to place the scheme under curatorship. Um, so it's still not quite fully resolved at the legal le- um, level, according to that. But yeah, uh, as you said, so that, that um, just again to Elise, who asked the question that debit order going off is payment in arrears for the cover you already enjoyed over the month of August. Um, one would assume then, Wendy, that there would be no further debit at the uh, at the end of September, beginning of October. No, no, they wouldn't. And yes, that, that the information was um, also in my story about the July twenty seven. Uh, sorry, September twenty seven yep. application. I suppose the, the the intention is that by the thirtieth that will be wrapped up. Okay. So Mark Hyman, who does have that a company that. Um, uh, Files um, supports medical aid scheme, medical scheme patient members if yeah. they're having problems with their medical schemes. But he also has a, a not-for-profit company called Citizens for Integrity. Okay. And the email, if you've been, if 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 a member of Health Squared is being um, told that they have to pay, uh, wait three months or pay a late joiner penalty or whatever, the email to get hold of him about that is. HSMS, which stands for Health Squared Medical Scheme, HSMS at Citizens for Integrity, one word, dot org, dot ZA. Dot org, dot ZA. Let me say that again. It's HSMS at Citizens for Integrity, dot org, dot ZA. I've made a note of that. So if you are driving and couldn't jot it down for yourself, you're welcome to pop me an email after the show and I'll gladly send it through to you. Wendy, thank you very much for the update. And Elise, uh, good luck to you and everybody else left in this absolutely dreadful situation by the collapse of that scheme. Wendy, we have to wrap up there. Thank you, as always, for your help. And we'll chat again next week, Wednesday. Will do. Thanks, Pippa. Keep well.